Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. Yeah. I didn't forget it this time. There you go. <laughs> I am Bethany Pettigo. I'm here with my friend Rod Ellis. Thanks so much for joining us and for sharing this yeah. podcast and for giving us some feedback. Have you heard the new song, King of Kings? I have. In fact, we've done it at church just a couple of times. Uh, one of the rare songs that the first time we sang it, we sang it like the church just sang it. We had people jump to their feet, hands in the air. And it's partly, I think, because it's a gospel song, like it tells the story of the gospel yes. and, and it's all about the glory of Christ and, and the, ama the amazing things that Jesus did for us. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think there's more to it than that. I think, I think it's just the depth of what we sing about. Oh, the this the chorus is absolutely gorgeous. First of all, I really like the melody of it, mm -hmm. how it goes way up on the majesty. I, it's just, it's man, it's just gorgeous to listen to and to sing. But also, it talks about the Trinity: praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. I mean, wow, what a what a beautiful mystery. Um, yeah. God, so, what is the glory. Trinity? Yeah, well, you know, it's something we should talk about more often because the Trinity is what sets Christianity apart from other monotheistic religions like Islam. That's a big word. Wait, wait, wait. That's <laughs> a big word. Monotheistic. What does that mean? Yes. So, um, you know, there's atheists and theists, right? Okay. So atheists don't believe that there's a God. Theists believe that there is a God. Mm -hmm. and then you have... Uh, pantheists or polytheists who believe right. that there are many gods. Uh, Hinduism would be an example of a polytheistic religion. Right. Then Acts there chapter are, 17, when Paul is on an Areopagus, then he sees that there are many gods. That's an, that's an example of a pantheistic or polytheistic society. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Then you have monotheistic religions, which believe in one God. However, okay. Christianity is the only religion that believes in a trinity. Uh, Judaism and Islam both believe in one God, that there only exists one God. However, Christians also believe there's only one God, but that God exists in three separate persons who are different in function and possibly behavior, but one in essence. And when you say different in behavior, different but consistent, right? So they, might, they may have different activities that they do, but their activities are entirely consistent with one another. Correct. They, yeah, they so exist in communion. Kind of like manifestations. So it's three different, mm -hmm. maybe three different manifestations of the same God rather than three different gods, which is hard to understand. Yes. It, it is our probably greatest mystery. I don't know. Communion may also be um, tied, um, but it is certainly a great mystery of Christianity that we can have Father, Son, and Spirit who are one God, because that doesn't make sense. I have a dad and I have a daughter, but we aren't the same person. Mm hmm Yes, that's a good metaphor. You know, I'm a wife and a mother and a friend, mm -hmm. right? And I, I act very differently in all of those 
um, relationships, but I'm still the same person. That's a good metaphor. Uh, the three slices of cherry pie, you know, where it's all cherry pie, but it's three slices. Or uh, I like the sun metaphor of heat, light, and energy, that the sun is uh, heat, uh, and it's not the same thing as light, um, and energy is different. Um, but they are all the sun or come from the sun, the S-U-N, not the S-O-N. That's a good metaphor, but it's still a mystery. Yeah. Uh, but I think we should talk about it more because the more you delve into that mystery, the bigger God becomes. And the bigger mm -hmm. God becomes, the more we worship him, which is what this podcast is about, right? Yeah. Worship is a response to a revelation of God or a right response to a revelation of God or some variation of that definition. Right. Yeah. So the greater God is in our, in our eyes, in our estimation, in our perspective, the greater our worship will be. So let me, let me pause what you've been saying and say, why does that matter? I guess better question would be, why should our Sunday worship gathering evidence the fact that we are Trinitarian? Does that make sense? I, I said that way too fancy. Mm -hmm. Why does it matter that we acknowledge, sing about, talk about the Trinity in the Sunday morning gathering? Well, it's a, I think it's, it's, um, it's better to have more things like a buffet, right? Instead of just having one thing. Uh, and, and I would say that um, I think churches tend to emphasize one person of the Trinity over the other two. Um, okay. de depending on which which stream you are in, and I right. think because the, the the different functions of the Trinity are all so important, if we do mm -hmm. that, we're missing out on a very important part of the work of God in our lives. Talk some more about that. What what? How is the work of God different for Father, Son, and Spirit? So you know, a lot of people, I think. Think of God the Father as creator, right? Um, mm -hmm. God created the world. He gave the laws. He's sort of like the authority figure. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, he's also like the relational um, giver. Like it comes from him, the son, right? The son was sent by God into the right. world. So it's, you know, because God so loved the world that he gave his son. So we... We associate God the Father with those things. Um, however, the the scripture is very clear that the Holy Spirit and Jesus the Son were both also active in creation. Mm -hmm. um, and they are different, but they do also do different functions. So Jesus is the sacrifice for sin. So if we are only concentrating on God the Father, uh, we miss out on this very important sacrifice for sin. Yeah, the and atonement's the kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yes. So, but some people focus only on the cross, right? Or right. only on the person of Jesus, so much mm -hmm. so that they never talk about, rarely talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, which uh, one of my favorite things about you is you often talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of Jesus's words when he said, mm. it'll be better for you if I leave so that I can send the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that actually saves us, right? Like the Holy Spirit is the one that, that 
changes our hearts, that leads us to repentance, and that actually brings life. It's through the Holy Spirit that we have eternal life through through the sacrifice because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So we desperately yeah, they, need the power of the Holy Spirit. Even even as you're saying that, the language is so tricky because they are so interrelated that they can't be separated, <laughs> which is the mystery. Like <laughs> right. you said, the Holy Spirit is the one who saves us. And I immediately thought, no, Jesus is the one who saves us. Well, yeah, but God's the one who saves us. But they they all save us. Like you can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> they are the same and they are different at the same time, which is mm-hmm. impossible for us to understand, which, by the way, is what makes God God, is that he's impossible to understand. And so as you started the whole conversation with, it makes our God <laughs> seem bigger to us, which then mm-hmm. compels us to worship him more. The, the bigger God exactly. is, the, the less I feel like I am in control, like I have uh, like the world is mine, you know, it's just the sovereignty of God becomes that much higher or that much bigger. And all of that stirs me to worship. And, and I think stirs all of us to worship. So yeah, it's, and, and by the way, when I say the language is tricky, I would also encourage you listeners to be careful with your Trinitarian language. Um, if you're going to say something, make sure that you're saying it right, because it can be misunderstood and therefore misinterpreted and lead um, to a place where people are confused or um, maybe even a wrong path. Like it, it can get out of hand. And, and the early church dealt with this very, very significantly. It, it was a giant mystery. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. there's no doubt that Christianity embraced the Trinity, but it took them a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first and second generation of apostles were not always comfortable with the language of the Trinity or the idea of a Trinity. And so while it's all over the New Testament, it's hard to get away from, for example, the mm-hmm. baptism of Jesus. Jesus is there, the Father speaks, and the Spirit appears as a dove. The Trinity is pictured in that one moment. There are other moments like that in Scripture. There are other verses like that in Scripture. So it's, the, the New Testament is very Trinitarian, but that doesn't mean that the people who were living in that time or the hundred years or so after were comfortable with the idea. And they spent a lot of time and had a lot of meetings um, to just try to figure out how they could talk about this in a way that was not going to be um, not going to lead to error. And mm-hmm. so I would just encourage us to be careful as, as we talk about it. And, and mm-hmm. it's OK to make a mistake. But if you make a mistake and you find out you made a mistake, go back and make it right, because we just want to be careful. It, it is difficult. This is the deep deepest water probably that we swim in. Yes, absolutely. And I think um, because the concept of God the Father is one that's in one sense shared with the other monotheistic religions, mm-hmm. um, I, I would like to talk about the uniqueness of Jesus and the uniqueness of the person of the Holy Spirit. As opposed to um, with Islam or Judaism, right? Mm -hmm, Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you said, why is this important? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. important because we are Christians and the Trinity is a foundational part of our theology. So it should be present in our worship services. It should be present in our worship planning. 
um, and it should be present in our personal devotion. Mm. How does that work? What do you do to experience the Trinity in your personal devotion? Start with that. So it's funny. We, we had a, a private conversation about who do we pray to? Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you, do you always pray to the Father? Which that's what Jesus did, right? If he's right. our model. Um, but many people pray to Jesus. Um, and I do sometimes address the Holy Spirit in prayer. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's one way, just in my prayer time and in my just writing in my own journal. Sometimes I um, aim my prayers at different parts of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And I also and I would like, say, I would say, I don't I, know that there's anything wrong with any of that, but I would just encourage you listeners to think through that. I, mm-hmm. I will um, almost every Sunday or almost every time I'm leading worship, I will proceed that service by praying, come Holy Spirit. So I'm talking mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit. I'm inviting the Holy Spirit. That's, praying directly to the Holy Spirit. That's not a prayer that appears, to my knowledge, anywhere in the New Testament. Um, but I'm very comfortable with that. Theologically, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Some people might not be. And that's your right. call. This is not mm-hmm. a primary issue. We don't have scriptural clarity. We do know the Holy Spirit is God. And I'm okay praying to the Holy Spirit in that way. And again, just think about it. And the more you think about it, this is, this is why it's a worship podcast. The more you think about it, the more your mind is going to be blown, which is going to drive you to worship <laughs> again and again. And I just love to study, too, about the person of God. You know, so in my own quiet times and my own times of study, I love to look at scriptures that talk about the different parts of God, the different persons of the Trinity. So I always find those passages fascinating, like Hebrews 1.3, for example, which says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Hmm. That'll blow your mind. Like if you, if you yeah. just think about that for a couple of minutes, um, about the, how the person of Jesus, even though he uh, is a human, is a human, mm-hmm. is a male human, yep. um, he is also the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word, by the way. <laughs> like, Sustaining how many things? All things. All things. That's yeah. right. Or John chapter one, right? John chapter one talks about mm-hmm. how Jesus is uh, the word, the, mm-hmm. sp- the spoken word of God, right? The word there yeah. is the logos, logos, yeah. or logos, logos, Either way. however you mm-hmm. say it. Um, so Jesus is the spoken word of God. And it says that all things were created through him, but he was with God in the beginning and he was God, fully God. Yep. I love that. And one of the reasons I, I want to make sure that we're Trinitarian in our, in our worship at Woodburn, and I guess where we evidence that we are Trinitarian, like we just, there's no doubt. You might come one Sunday and miss it, but you're probably not going to come two Sundays and you're sure not going to come three Sundays and miss it. It's because mm-hmm. um, it makes us uniquely Christian. It is. That's right. It, we can talk about God all day long. But we could be Islamic or we could be Jewish if we talk about God mm-hmm. all day long. But if we're talking about Jesus, 
we're Christian. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we, we are now, um, I would say, more biblical in our understanding of the way that God works, of, of the, the identity of who God is. So, yeah, I want to, and my pastor is the same way. We're, we're both pretty significantly convinced that worship should be um, evidently Trinitarian. There should be evidence that it's Trinitarian. One of our very, very first episodes, going all the way back, we talked about a worship ministry handbook that was being finalized at the time. It's finally in, in, in print at our church. It's, it's a private document. Yay. You're welcome to one. Email us if you want one. Rod, E, Ellis, and gmail.com. I'll send you one. Um, it's, it's amazing. You should all get one. <laughs> Not everybody. <laughs> I would have to charge if, if everybody. Oh, I wouldn't. We'd find a way. God would provide. Um, but there's a page in the handbook about the Trinity as a, as a mm-hmm. worship ministry because it's just that important to me. Um, and I know it is to you. And, and I think it should be to all of us. I really do. I, it's one of those things that, like you say, we probably just need to talk about more. Okay, I interrupted mm-hmm. you. You were, you were in the middle of a thought. Can, can you? Oh, I was. Well, <laughs> I was talking about how unique Jesus is. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think that for human beings um, who are trying to understand a being that is beyond us, mm-hmm. like the most amazing and radical thing that God could ever do would be to become one of us yep. and um, for several reasons. One is that um, so that he could be our model, like I, I say often in mm-hmm. all things, but secondly, um, so that he could um, be a manifestation of God that we could see and we could, yeah. you know, Jesus said, if you've seen the father, I mean, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So we actually see God the Father through the life of Jesus and specifically through his relationship with the Father, which is beautiful. And then thirdly, um, besides living a life, you know, for us and being a manifestation of God. um, Oh, shoot. (laughs) I lost my train of thought. uh, Oh, yes. he, He fulfilled the law which is extremely important. You know, we, um, we as Christians, we, we're not um, Jews. We don't keep the Old Testament law. Um, right. But the reason for that is not because when Jesus came, we just chopped off the Old Testament and threw it away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the Old Covenant, the first covenant. And it says that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to do away with the law. And I've spent a lot of time talking to my kids about this because I feel like church kids, especially Mm. uh, maybe it's just me, but I feel like church kids, especially (laughs) who, who um, are raised in the church need to understand their relationship to the law and their relationship to sin. So uh, my advice is to read Romans six, seven and eight with them in the passion translation. <laughs> That's what I did yeah. with my kids because it's one of the, the best places in scripture to see, first of all, why the law was given, you know, and you can also read, you know, Hebrews and Romans are also good um, for that. But yeah. um, Galatians, the reason why the, I've been reading in Galatians, Galatians the last couple of days, um, especially chapters two and three, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. Yeah. So the the uh, the law or the old covenant or the law of sin and death, as I like to, to call it, 
because uh, that's yeah. what Paul calls it in Romans. Yeah. That is the law that if you sin, you die. Right? Mm-hmm. You sin, you right. die. You got um, stoned or somehow other manner executed. Um, it's the law of sin and death. And that sin was covered over um, by the sacrifices that were provided, but not taken away. So it was um, what Jesus did when he came was he fulfilled that law perfectly for us. You know, it's, it's sort of like God gave us a standard that we couldn't meet, which is, seems unfair, although he did make a provision for us. But in sending his son, he met it himself right. yeah. for us on our behalf, which is mind blowing. Right. And so important. Yep. And I love what Romans 8, 1, is it 8, 1 or 8, 2 says, you know, what, what we couldn't do, we could not keep the law in our mm-hmm. sinful nature and our flesh. God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh so that the righteous requirements of the law might be met or kept in us. So this is mind blowing. That's why Jesus came. And that's why, that's what makes him so unique, you know, Islam regards Jesus as a prophet, but not right. as God, yep. right? And um, and the Jews only have the old covenant, so um, it's really, really, truly unique uh, what Jesus did and has done for us. Um, what are some? You said that going back a few minutes, you said that um, you kind of resonate on or, or ruminate on the Trinity in your private devotions, but how, how do we make it connect with people in worship or how do we connect people with, I, I, I want to be careful that as worship leaders, we're not trying to be teaching pastors. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean we don't have teaching moments, but mm-hmm. to say like the depth of what you just said about Jesus fulfilling the law and us being <laughs> um, covered in his righteousness because we can't keep the law, but we're covered by Christ who did keep the law. And all that's a really dense thing to try to work in as a song intro, for example. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, we did an episode on that was the 30 second song intro. I think was that, that, I think that was the title of the episode early on. Yeah. Good luck with that one. I've um, never had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Um, True confessions right here. <laughs> That is shocking. It took me a long time. Um, so how do we, because we're not the teaching pastor, or unless we are in a particular setting, but you know, if we're not, if we're just leading worship, just leading worship, I don't mean that to minimize it. I mean that to narrow the definition. If our only task is to be the worship leader, which is primarily the song leader, then how do we make this matter in, in what we do in the worship gathering? Well, I I think that as worship pastors, we are the pastor of our team. So I okay. think some teaching is definitely um, appropriate mm-hmm. at worship practice. So maybe okay. worship leader who's listening to this, you might consider that. Um, also, I think it uh, it influences your song selection. So you want to. Okay. Pick, pick songs that actually highlight these things, kind of like we were just talking about King of Kings earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it highlights each member of the Trinity and that they are all worthy of praise uh, because they all have a very important 
role to play in our redemption. Yeah. So song selection, I would, I would tack onto that, um, not just choosing songs that are Trinitarian, but choosing songs about members of the Trinity. So, um, for example, Spirit of the Living God, um, Spirit of the Living God is a song to the Holy Spirit, or Holy Spirit Rain Down, which is an old song from Hillsong, but it's still a great song. Um, there are hymns that are, are the same way, or choruses, you know, there are songs that can, that really do focus uh, on members of the Trinity. So you can sing songs that are Trinitarian. Um, mm-hmm. I, the first hymn I remember singing as a kid that was that way, I think was Come Thou Almighty King, which has a verse about the Father, a verse about the Son, a verse about mm-hmm. the Spirit, and then a verse about the Trinity. Um, there are some modern worship songs that do that as well. But then you can sing songs that are Father-oriented or Creator-oriented. Absolutely. Like, yes. So will I. Um, or, and then you can sing songs that are Jesus oriented and then you can sing mm-hmm. songs that are spirit oriented. And if you're, if your pastor is preaching about, for example, the Holy Spirit, then by all means use a spirit song. Uh, last week mm-hmm. we did Holy Spirit living breath of God by Keith Getty, which is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it resonates with some people that it wouldn't resonate with others that may not work in your church context. Uh, our church loves that song. We don't, we don't sing it a lot. I'd like to sing it more. The text is just incredible. So we, we look for opportunities to be able to sing that. So yeah, use songs that are Trinitarian, but also use songs that sing about different members of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I could have said that shorter, but you get the idea. <laughs> Song intros. Um, so I'd like to talk about the Holy Spirit because um this may be right? shocking, but it, <laughs> this may be shocking <laughs> to those that haven't been listening to this podcast, but the Holy Spirit is my favorite <laughs> yeah. because of his name, because his name that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit is helper. Uh, I don't, I mean, maybe everybody else doesn't need a lot of help, <laughs> mm. but I need a lot of help. And so I am so, so, so grateful. And I mean this every day for the Holy Spirit, because he really is a helper. He's our helper. And um, if I can just read this from the Amplified Translation, yeah, (laughs) uh, I'm not going to (laughs) yell. This is John 14, verse 16 in the Amplified Version. And then I'm going to read a little bit of verse 25. I'm going to just hold back and not read more, but um, (laughs) Jesus says, and I will ask the father. So all parts of the Trinity are, are here in this verse. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is asking the father to give another, which implies he's the same kind as Jesus is. So not only Mm -hmm. just like, Oh yeah. Like one, one more, but it really means one more like me. So same essence uh, of Jesus, also God, he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, Mm -hmm. intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. Oh, I love that word to be with you forever. Oh, um, Oh, yeah, verse 17. Sorry, I have to read verse 17 too. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because 
He, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. Not just with you, but in you. That's very important. Verse 26. But the helper, all those things I just read, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, will teach you all things. And he will help you remember everything that I have told you. Now, the Holy Spirit is not only for charismatic people or people who speak in tongues or um, wave flags or anything like that. Um, Although um, that can be wonderful, too. Um, This is extremely important for us. We need a helper, and the Holy Spirit helps us in every way. He helps us to pray, for example. Mm -hmm. Again, Romans chapter 8. We don't know how we should pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Um, Let me me pause you there and just say that's rubber meets road stuff, or at least it can be. Exactly. I was on the phone two days ago with um, a brother who was crushed by news that he had just gotten. And I was praying with him while we were on the phone and I got to the point where I didn't know what to pray. And so then I just said, Holy spirit, I don't have the words to pray. I don't know what to say, but you do. And you are advocating for my friend right now. And so would you just tell the father what he needs? Because I don't know how to say it. Yes. And that's, that was just beautiful. I mean, in the moment, I don't mean I was beautiful. I mean, that truth was beautiful. And to know that, that the Holy spirit can say the things when we don't know what to say is so comforting because of course the Holy spirit is the comforter. Yeah. Yes. Also that. I love, I love that in the amplified um, translation that you read that the the Holy Paracletos, is that right? I think that's the Greek word. Um, Mm -hmm that there are so many words that fit that bill that it yes. took J.B. Phillips, is that who did the Amplified Bible? It, it took him, what, six, seven different words to be able to <laughs> say what that one Greek word said. That's just, and how much like God is that, that he is beyond mm-hmm. description, that if we had all of the words, there wouldn't be enough words. And then we've got yes. a Trinity, so that there are three members of the Trinity and about each of them, if we had all of the words, that wouldn't be enough words. That's just incredible. <laughs> right. And stirs my heart to worship. Um, again, the whole purpose right. of this is um, of this podcast is so that we are able to to help people understand that God is bigger than they ever imagined, and therefore, how can you not worship? Exactly. Um, I love the image of the Holy Spirit praying for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in first Corinthians chapter two, um, the Holy spirit is described as searching the deep things of God also. Mm. So not only does, you know, the Holy spirit's not just with us, the Holy spirit is in us so he can help us pray because he knows how to express to God what we need the most. In accordance with God's will, it's it's so beautiful. Also, it says that um, he searches, I'm trying to find it here. Oh, yeah, here we go. He searches the deep things of God. Oh, I lost it. Anyway, the point is that there's like this interaction, right? Because the yeah. Trinity is a community 
that is in unity with itself. Mm-hmm. And so the Holy Spirit is never um, in against God at all. He's right. always with, with God, working with God, like in partnership. All the parts of the Trinity work together with each other <laughs> because they are yeah. the same essence. But that, that means because the Holy Spirit is in us, there is this constant flow of information from the deep things of us, like the things that deep groans cannot express, right? Mm-hmm. The deepest grief, the, the most raging anger that you can think of, the most hopeless and despairing place of depression, the Holy Spirit is able to express those things to God in prayer. But then also the Holy Spirit searches through the deep things of God to reveal them to us. It's in that passage in 1 Corinthians that it has that that famous quote, no eye has seen and no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And most people just stop right there. And they shouldn't because it says, but it says, but, but God has revealed these things to us through his spirit. Like you guys, the things that that's why we've talked about holy imagination so much. That's why imagination is so important because the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you things that your eye has never seen and your ear has never heard, like music that's never been thought of before, right? Mm -hmm. Instruments, like I I believe somebody's going to start inventing new instruments like any day now that have never existed before. And he's going to reveal those things to us through the Holy Spirit. I wish you'd get excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had more time on our podcast because yeah. I got to stop somewhere, but the, the Holy Spirit really is my favorite. <laughs> well, and, and as we've said and alluded to both, um, this is the deepest of mysteries. And so there is no exploring the end of it. You, you can't get to the end of the Trinity. It, it is infinite. God is infinite, of course. And so now you have three manifestations of God, all of which are infinite. It is extraordinary the depth to which you can go. There are, um, there are theologians who have written multiple volumes about <laughs> the single truth of the Trinity. So it really does go on forever. I think our biggest desire in providing this podcast episode was just to remind worship leaders that the Trinity matters. Yes. That it matters for you individually. It matters that your team has an understanding of this with you and that it matters that you can manifest it in, in worship gatherings so that people mm-hmm. are aware of the, the dynamics of the Father, which are so beautiful and so majestic and so big mm-hmm. and so dramatic and, and also the reality of the Son, which is so personal and, and so identifiable um, and so atoning. Um, it, it's just extraordinary, but also the role of the spirit that is so present when, when you feel something in the worship gathering, that, that is the spirit you're worshiping mm-hmm. in spirit and truth. Um, you're praying in the spirit, you're singing in the spirit. That's first Corinthians 14. All of that is just so connected to the worship event. It, it's not just a theological, theological truth. It's not just something that you can read a lot about or write a lot about or talk about a lot about. It's something that you experience as you gather for worship and as you lead worship mm-hmm. and, and, and if, it, if that's missing, to. yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and if that's missing 
in your worship gatherings, then you're missing out on on who God is, but you're also missing out on what God is. Um, I think you're missing out on what God is would be using to strengthen the church. So first Corinthians 14, which I just mentioned, Paul says uh, in that same passage that talks about praying in the spirit, pray, I will pray in the mind. I will pray in the spirit. Also, I'll sing in the mind. I will sing in the spirit also, which is verse 15 of first Corinthians 14. Later in that same passage, he says that everything should be done for the strengthening of the church. Mm-hmm. So if we're not Trinitarian in our worship, we have anemic churches. That's right. And if we want to have strong churches, then we have to have strong theology. That doesn't mean complicated. It doesn't mean sound um, fancy. It doesn't mean that you have to sound like you're brilliant. It just means that you have to include the things that God includes. And, and one of those mm-hmm. things is the Trinity. And so, yeah, I think finding ways to demonstrate, sing to, sing about, et cetera, the Trinity um, are really important. Absolutely. And I just want to make one more very small comment about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Come on, bring it. Um, The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of wisdom and uh, also the spirit of revelation. So obviously Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into truth, guide you Mm -hmm. into truth, actually, and also remind us of the things that Jesus taught us. Um, but I also love how in the book of Proverbs, the, the spirit of wisdom mm. is personified in the book of Proverbs as a woman who stands so in the streets there, right? <laughs> and calls out that anybody who's interested, um, you know, that wants wisdom should seek um, wisdom. So, you know, it's inter- I had this conversation with my daughter about, you know, how Jesus is male, right? So is mm-hmm. God male? And I said, well, Jesus is male because he's human. He's the human male, a Jewish male, uh, you know, who is still alive. Um, But God created us in his image, which is male and female. We, if, if we believe that God created people in God's image, then there are masculine and feminine aspects of God. And I, I think, right. The idea of the spirit of wisdom um, sometimes being referenced in the scriptures as being more feminine. I think that's a beautiful thing. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So evidently, maleness and femaleness are both a part of, not the fullness of, but a part of the image of God. And Jesus is undeniably male. And the images that we have of the Holy Spirit in scriptures tend to be more feminine. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is a woman. Um, There are people who would say that and and I wouldn't be mad at them, but I don't think (laughs) there's enough evidence in scripture to say that. But for example, the Holy Spirit back in Genesis one at the beginning of Genesis one, when the spirit of God is hovering over the waters, the Hebrew image is of a mother hen that hovers over her eggs before they're about to hatch. That's right. Brooding. Uh, Yes. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So that is a very feminine image again i'm not overstating that 
But I think to understate it is to undersell so much of what the image of God is, which is in women, which is the image of God, just like it is in men. And, and they are, That's right. uh, in that way, we are certainly equal, mm-hmm. um, completely and utterly equal, and, and that we are made in the image of God. And I think that's hugely important, um, especially say that as the dad of two daughters, but I also <laughs> just think that in, in practical theology, that, that really matters. Yes. Our theology is the most important thing about us. Who said that? Oh, I think A.W. Tozer said something like that. Yes. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one other place where I think we can look for ways to emphasize the Trinity is in baptism. Uh, As I mentioned, Mm -hmm. at the baptism of Jesus, the Trinity is present. But when we baptize people, we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's right. So to to just say those words by rote is um, not necessarily helpful. But to say those words in a way that, or in a creative way that, demonstrates the fullness of the Trinity is present in that moment is very important. Um, I think we've talked on the podcast a few times about the fact that we end our our services at Woodburn with a scriptural benediction. Um, Second Corinthians ends with a very very brief benediction, but it again it is the Trinity all day long. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen, <laughs> Paul says, "May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the Son, the love of God, that's the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that's the fellowship, be with you all." That's a Trinitarian blessing or benediction. Yes. And so as you look for ways, you will find them. And, and you'll find mm-hmm. ways that we haven't talked about. You'll find your own ways. You'll find uh, old ways. You'll find new ways. But I think it is going to help your church have more strength, more stamina, um, more passion, more freedom, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's it's just gonna right. Have, it's just going to have your church have more of all the things that God wants us to have if we will make sure that we do worship in a way that is undeniably Trinitarian. Hey, that sounds a lot like souls singing to me. You think so? Yeah, Yeah. I think it does too. I think it does too. I think it moves us. um, And we feel that in our soul. That's a, that's a soulish feeling that they, when the Holy spirit is present and, and the spirit is always present when the spirit manifests, his presence, um, that those are the moments that you feel something. I, mm-hmm. I, I really think that's uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of the, it's the way that we most emotionally connect with God. At least for me, yeah. it is. For and sure. so if, if the Holy Spirit is um, tucked away in the back closet in the fellowship hall, but not brought out and displayed and celebrated in worship, then that may experience part of why worship in your church is unemotional. Mm-hmm. So, and I yeah. mean, you can certainly go too far, right? I mean, we, we've talked yeah. about really like a divine balance of, of, you know, how the three interact and how we need to not only talk about one, but I mean, it's also, it's not good to be unbalanced about one part of the Trinity. You know, some people right. are very much into that experience um, those feelings and um, and then there are others that are are afraid of that <laughs> right yeah. so so 
I, I really feel like this one word of caution, if, if this for you is a, like you see this as a weakness in your church um, and you're not the lead pastor, I would encourage you to have a conversation with your lead pastor about it and just ask how you can help. And, and here's, here's what I would uh, just flashed in my mind. Um, Milburn Price, one of the last days I was in philosophy of church music as a seminary student in 1992, I think. No, 1990. Um, I graduated in 91, so surely I wasn't in class in 92. I think I had a dream about failing a class. But anyway, <laughs> 1990, Milburn Price says, what do you do if you walk into a church and the songs that they're singing are not the songs that you think they ought to be singing? Like there are more songs. There are different songs, newer songs, older songs doesn't really matter. It was a different time, you know, 1990, that was a long time ago in church music world. Um, and so he drew a giant bubble on the whiteboard and he said, let's assume this is the church's hymnody. This is, these are the songs the church sings and yours are right next door. There's not much overlap, but these are the songs you sing and they may all be in the same hymnal. Mm -hmm. you know, most hymnals have six to 800 songs in them. So there's enough song in there for two different groups of songs. Um, <laughs> Start with where you overlap and make that your sweet spot and then just take journeys into one side or the other. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you will gradually make the bubble so that includes both sets of songs. Gradually being a key word right. to that <laughs> conversation. So the same thing is true of, of Trinitarian worship. If your church is so Jesus saturated and, and mm -hmm. oriented and focused that you don't really talk much about the creator about the father or about the spirit about the sustainer the comforter then don't make a wholesale shift from focusing on jesus to focusing on the father or the spirit just gradually slowly mm -hmm. introduce a little bit more of this or that and give them time to receive what it is that you're giving them and you will discover that over the course of several months and maybe a few years <laughs> that worship at your church looks more trinitarian sounds more trinitarian your prayers are more trinitarian your sermons are more trinitarian all of it and i again i just think your church is going to be i'm you know in a weird way happier um there's going to be joy that wasn't there before it is a fruit of the spirit if you're ignoring the spirit then joy is probably lacking mm. so take your time again if you're not the pastor and, and you see this as a place of concern, then have a conversation with them and say, mm -hmm. I'd like to expand the bubble and I don't want to do it wholesale. I don't want to drive anybody out. I'm not, I don't sure. want to exclude talking about Jesus anymore. Of course, mm -hmm. we still sing the old rugged cross. It's just not all we sing. Right. That's good. So, yeah. That's so good advice. open up, open up to the Trinity, um, broaden, uh, expand, and I think that's so much of what the psalmist meant when he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Yes. But we don't make the Lord bigger. We just make our ability to see him bigger. Exactly. And that's going to make us worship. <laughs> that's going to help us worship in, in better ways. All right. Bethany, you're the, you're the Holy Spirit fan. You're the Trinity expert. Is there anything else that you would add to all of that? <laughs> oh, I am not an expert. Um, I'm just so grateful that we serve a God that's bigger than our understanding. And I think as worship leaders, we should not run away from that paradox. We should right. lean into it. Yeah. So let's lean a yeah. little bit and more. 
I'll say one more thing because I think you said it briefly, but you probably wanted to say more about it. So I'm going to say it for you just real quickly. Uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is our model for relationships. The way that the Father, Son, and Spirit relate to each other is the way that we can have community. It's the way that our church, it's the way your small group can be. It's the way your family can function. It is an image of what relationship can look like, which means if we're not talking about it, we may not be having very good relationships. It's yet another way mm. that having the Trinity present and the way we think about worship can help us with the practical living out of our faith. So pay yes. attention to how the Trinity relates to each other and then start relating to other people that way. It's beautiful. Yes, they, they champion each other and they, yeah. they commend one another. They love to talk about each other in all the best ways. Yes. So have fun with this. Um, explore what the Bible says about the Trinity and what your tradition says about the Trinity and what your church has for, has said about Trinity and what the songs say about Trinity and just kind of pay attention. And again, if you have ideas of, of how this is working in your place of worship or your ministry that we didn't include, I'd love to hear about those. We'll share them with the rest of the podcast audience. So send it to Rod E Ellis at gmail.com. And let us know uh, if there's some way we can serve you. If there's content we can talk about that would be encouragement to you. If there's a need you have, I love what my pastor says that ministry is done when needs are met. So if there's a need that you have in worship ministry that we might be able to speak into, um, shoot me an email. Uh, my cell number is 502-229-0114. You can text me or call me and, and I'll do the work. I'll do some research. Um, I'll do some study and we'll figure out how to meet that need. Cause if I can, I'd, I'd love to be able to help. And I know Bethany's heart is to do very much the same. So thank you for listening. Remember, um, worship for the real church is how we're going to have more souls singing. So share the podcast. Share, share, share is what Bethany says. Uh, share the <laughs> podcast. Leave a, a rating or a review at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those places. Um, help us build a tribe. I am so convinced Every time I lead worship and I see souls singing that this is what every church longs for. And we want to be able to make it so that more churches have it. So thanks for listening. We love you listeners. Take care. Bye.